In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a victory Monday. We beat the Sky Rats and I'm here with Ian Wright and Jack Duffin. Jack, how you doing, doing mate? I'm good. It's... I think Ian summed it up perfectly at halftime when he messaged me and messaged us and said, is that the best half of football the Browns have played this year? And I think the answer is yes. Is that possibly the most frustrating half of football the Browns have played this year to also today? Maybe. And uh, it's, it's just a really, really weird one. A game of two halves, we could say. Ian, how are you feeling after the, uh, the game? Listen, I'm happy the Browns won. If the next couple minutes go as planned, I believe the Bengals will be losing to the 49ers. Do I have that right? That's correct. So at the end of the day, the Steelers lost, the Ravens lost, the Bengals lost, and what team won, Paul? The Cleveland Browns won. There you go. So I'm happy as a pig in the mud. I just want to stress to our listeners, the Bengals game is still playing. So uh, if you are listening tomorrow and they did win, Please don't sue us. Um, but let, let's let's go straight into it. Jack, out of 10, we have to rate this on the whole game, not just one half and a bad half. What score are you giving it out of 10, Jack? The offence. Yeah. Four. Hang on a minute. You said... Because... The offense is the best half, first half. It's got to be at least, it's got to be higher than the four, surely. Well, my view was if I grade the first half, I'm going eight. If I grade the second half, I'm going one. So I thought, nah, it's halfway down the middle. It could be a four, it could be a five. Um, but it was that bad in the second half. For lots of people, are going to point the finger at the defense, but the offense was a Abysmal in the second half. In the first half, we did everything I wanted. We passed, we got flags in our favour, and then we went back to running the football. And it's a perfect example of why the ball has to be in the air for the magic to happen. And I thought, hey, we've cracked it. And we just threw it away. We just did not seem like we wanted to win the game. If you look over to what the Chiefs did, the Chiefs crushed the opposition and then continued to destroy the opposition and if you want to be a team that's going to win rings and really compete at the highest level you've got to do that Ian what number are you going with I want to put it on the record I completely disagree with Jack um, I here's why I don't think the Browns today I think their plan going in was good and here's why when I talked about at the end of the first half, was that the best half of football we've played? I'm talking about complementary football between the offense, the defense, the special teams. The Cleveland Browns were a football team in that first half. The problem with the offense was Miles Garrett's touchdown. 
Because what happened was when they went in tight butt cheeks at 24 to 6 in the second half, at halftime, they said, okay, we want to shorten this game and make it as easy as possible. So what happened was is the Ravens said, we're not going to let you run the ball. We're not. We're going to get a couple of yards. No big runs really here and there. We're still knowing you want to run the clock down, knowing Baker Mayfield is not going to just light them up. You use the Kansas City example. We're talking Patrick Mahomes versus Baker Mayfield. Not an apples-to-apples comparison. But what happened is, is the Browns did everything they could to lose the complimentary aspect they gained in the first half with Baker throwing a dumb tur- uh, you know, interception. And then our drive started getting very bogged down because we wanted to try to use up as much of the clock. I just think we went into prevent too early. I do agree with Jack. You do have to be, you know, kind of a foot to, you know, to the throat type of thing. In that third quarter, we should have went out there, gangbusters to be to get the point total over 30, knowing Tyler Huntley was going against us. They really just needed to go out in that second half, get a touchdown in the third quarter, and that would have ended it. You know, instead, they went conservative, tight butt cheeks, and then the Ravens just chipped and chipped and chipped, and ultimately we hold on for the W. But, you know, overall, I'd say the offense is probably a five. I would probably say it was probably a not, I'd say maybe even a six. I'll go six just because I thought that it was one of Baker Mayfield's better games. So I say nine in the first half. I'm going to go with a four in the second half. We don't give sevens. We give sixes. I'm going with a six on offense. Now, and I think in terms of running the clock, I think you can do some other stuff with screens and bits to do that. And I know they were doing a lot, the Ravens, to try and stop screens. But yep. it, it just felt like they went, we're just going to play it vanilla. And that was what was frustrating. I I think the bigger point of what went wrong in the second half we'll get to, the offense isn't the number one thing I blame. There is a single moment when we get to the defense that I will, I was not happy. Uh, I think losing Kareem Hunt also in the first half affected them. Bengals touchdown. 119 left. FFS. And Jack, we're going to talk about your not happiness in a minute. But I think um, a six out of ten is a is a very fair score with the offense. Um, yes, Baker did give away an interception, but in general, I thought he played relatively well. He led the team. Uh, Case Keenan came on for a snap, and he wanted to be out there with his team winning. So uh, you know, he tried hitting. Donovan Peoples-Jones a few times of a long pass. It didn't work out. But, uh, you know, we, we go again. Um, let's talk about defence. Jack, what frustrated you so much? So I went absolutely mental. A single moment, and it was in the third, when we force them all the way to the fourth down. And we get them on fourth down. And Hunley in the crew run off the field and Harbaugh sends them back on. That is a no-brainer for me. I was shouting it, just time out. That's all you have to do is Kevin Stefanski. And that's not just on Joe Woods. That's on Kevin Stefanski as well. Just go time out. They had the advantage because our guys didn't know where they were lining up. They were so far off. They, they were behind the 10-yard line. And it was like, what, what are you doing here? 
you stop them at that point, the game is over. Not just in back into play. You want you stop them there. It's over. It's just yeah, not realistic that they're back in. Are you talking about the was a fourth and ten? They completed that quick pass to Andrews. Yeah, just that uh, straight away timeout, and you stop that because it's not saying that they might complete the play, but they were not lined up well, and there was no point. If if you stop them at that point, you're scoring, and the deflation, it's over. That was the pinnacle moment for me when they thought, "Hey, we're in this game." Yeah, Jack, I've, I've, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one to call. You know, I've been frustrated with the Browns getting the ball and not having their timeouts for an attack later on. So maybe this is one of them things where they, you know, have been a little bit cautious in the in the in the game. Ian, what's your what's your view on that? I think the Ravens just caught them with their pants down. I mean, I think it was one of those things where it was moving. Credit to John Harbaugh. Most teams don't sprint up to the line of scrimmage and get a quick playoff on fourth down. They call the timeout. It's methodical. In this case, I think the Ravens just saw something. They ran. They exploited it. I think overall the defense, to me, was a nine. Obviously, they had the touchdown. They had the big sack there after the, you know, the onside kick. I think when we needed a defensive play, I think the play was made. And I'll tell you, the more, the more I see Denzel Ward on the field, and I just I say that, the more I see him on the field, the more I just I think this guy is just one of the top tier corners in the league. I just I need him to stay healthy, and I need to see more of him because I'm telling you right now, he he just he is a lockdown cornerback. Overall, the defense, I got to give it a nine. Uh, he, he's Denzel Ward serves the game ball. I know we do game ball site later, but 100% there. Um, <clears throat> uh, Jack, defense, what are you giving it out of 10? I, I was an eight or nine, so I'm, I'm happy to go with a nine. Um, I think that's perfectly fair. They, uh, they, they played really, really well. and they, They've been really good all season. Um, it's, more, it's more situational um, moments that have cost them rather than the overall defense. Um, the coverage has been good. Yeah, there's been some absolute stinkers there, but it's going to happen. Defense is less stable. We know that, and it, it, lots of people are expecting the defense and the running game to carry things, and it's just not how it works in a modern NFL. So, um, no, they're, they're doing everything they're asked to do. Yeah, I'd like to see some improvement at defensive tackle. Yeah, I'd like to see a little bit of improvement at safety, but we're talking marginal there. They're doing what they need to do. Um, the person that worried me a little bit is greedy. Seemed to be off the uh, on on the eye watching it in a in the hippodrome. He seemed to be a little bit off off everything today. How do you guys see it? Watch it a little bit more in depth than myself. Yeah, well, it wasn't his best game. Um, it felt like watching it. Obviously, I've, it grates me the fact that we get such poor camera angles as fans. Um, we're just sort of guessing what's going on at times, but um, hey, they they did what they needed to do, so um, I I thought it was fine. Yeah, and also I thought Clowney had another great game. Clowney has played himself into some big money, which will not be in Cleveland. Uh, Fifteen million for one year. If you 
if you felt like you were in sort of the last year of Drew Brees, that's the sort of move where you go, yeah, we'll make it. Um, the Browns aren't in a position where they're going to go, yeah, one year, 15 mil, who cares about the future? It, we're not at that spot as a franchise where you pay big money to a second edge. Yeah. You're already on decent money. All right, well, let's go um, Let's go. Uh, nine on the defense. Real quick, I'll, I'll add, Jack, to your point. Clowney coming here, exactly what Browns told him he would do, run opposite of Miles Garrett, go out and get a big contract. There's more Jadavian Clownies in the league where there are pass rushers who want to come here and be Robin. I think it's great that Clowney was able to come here, have success, because now – Anytime there's a veteran that wants to do a one-year, nice, cheap deal for us, please come to this defense, line up opposite of Miles Garrett. I mean, how about Tack McKinley today? Tack McKinley forcing fumbles. That, that's the Miles Garrett effect. So all these vets that want to come here for cheap deals and run opposite of Miles, come on down. No, it's a really good point, and we'd love to see some of them on the offensive side. But, yeah, in terms of defense, you will get vets who are like, yeah, Let's go have that one-year deal. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Tack hangs around, actually, because uh, it just makes sense um, to have him because then he could do a job. Obviously, he's not your ideal edge opposite Miles, but it gives you the option in the draft and you've got something you feel serviceable there. Um, <clears throat> anything else anyone wants to discuss with the defence? I like to, we'll go a little bit more in depth. Maybe we'll do a show tomorrow or Tuesday. I kind of want to wait. I want to see some of the numbers and some of the snap counts and stuff like that. I'm curious on how a couple guys played. I was, it was a little bit of chaos watching the game. So I didn't watch it as in depth as normal, but I'm going to go back. I want to rewatch a couple guys. Cause man, JOK is a guy. I want to watch him again. I want to watch him again. I, I think that guy is becoming something. Yeah. Yeah. He had another really, really, really nice game. Um, it's one where it's going to be fascinating to see when it's not the Ravens, what he does, because, yeah, he's had two sort of breakout games almost where he's played a lot of snaps against them. Um, can he do it the rest of the time? I, I hope he can. I think he will. But uh, we need to see it. Um, and uh, the 49ers have just set up a uh, field goal winning uh, moment. So, uh, yeah, it's a great game going on at the moment. And uh, obviously this podcast, a lot of people will be listening to it. They've got a field goal from about 30 yards plus. Can they do it? Um, let's talk special teams. I posted something about Scottish Hammer and I got a lot of interaction on Twitter tonight. Uh, the other Colquin came in. Ian, as the official punter of the podcast... How do you think he got on? I mean, Dustin Colquitt, he's the maestro, right? He's been around. He kicked to the Chiefs. The guy knows. He's a vet professional. He's a guy you can bring in on a Thursday, and he's going to go out there and do very well on Sunday. And that's what you saw. Also, my, my, my birdies in the stadium told me that there was some nice headwinds that were blowing around the stadium. So in a couple directional kicks, I, could, I think he punted into a wall. Uh, holds got down, no drop snaps. Honestly, I thought the special teams unit played pretty well. Aside from Andy Janovich's, I don't see the ball. Um, overall, and the I thought, field goal. yeah, and but again, the missed field goal is tough because all day McLaughlin's bringing it in from the right bar in, 
bringing it in with the wind, and then the one he misses from 41 just stays out. So, listen, you're kicking in Cleveland in December. I, I know that we want to talk about anything over 40 yards, to me, is probably 75% at best. And anything over 50 yards, unless your name's Justin Tucker, is probably 50-50. I mean, those winds are not fun down on that lake. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, Scottish Hammer did tell so me. I would say, I'd say a six. Yeah, Scottish Hammer was telling me every time he punted it, it was just go straight up and then hits a brick wall of wind and just drops straight down. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jack, what's your thoughts on the special team, mate? Well, I, th- I think that any time you allow a uh, onside kick it is horrendous. Um, they should just be moments that never happen. Um, so I, I think a massive negative there, which obviously isn't, it's not your traditional part of special teams when you think mainly about the punting and the kicking. Um, I thought they were fine. Um, I do think that there's a risk. I, it wouldn't surprise me if the hammer is potentially with Cleveland until the end of the year, but he could be end up on the practice squad um, and they could switch it and start Colquitt and move the Scottish Hammer to the practice squad. This is last year of being cheap. Um, so that will factor into it with the front office because they're probably not going to pay him a restricted free agent tender um, just based on what we've seen. So it's one where th- there is some uh, difficult decisions coming and they might go, actually, we're happy there. Um so let's see what happens. Um, 49ers just missed the kick. So uh, over time, here we come. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. We said that the Bengals had lose, but they're still in it. We could, have time. Closed, we could have closed this game off with that kick miss. But that's what the podcast is all about. Having the football on in the background on a Sunday, celebrating the victory Monday. Um, guys, so what number are we going to go with special teams? What are we going to go with? I, I, I didn't give my number. I was going to give it a three. And the reason is that's purely because of the uh, the Janovic moment. If you take that out, I, I, I would have been pushing for the dreaded seven. So, uh, five. Ian? The onside kick's an unlucky thing. I, I thought it's a well-executed onside kick. Obviously, it's tough to... It's tough to, de- to, to ding the whole unit. Janovich, I know what he's trying to do. The problem is he got to look at the ball first. Five's fine. I mean, I was thinking six. It happens. It was unlucky. They get that one out of 50 times. You know, it's a smart play by Tucker. It really is. And It's a Hall of Fame Felton guy fumbles. who knows how to do it. As well. Felton fumbled twice and then got removed from uh, returning and they moved it over to uh... – Natson, who actually made a phenomenal play. Um, it's a really smart one where you lean off the field and touch the ball because then it, even though the ball's in bounds, um, it's on a kickoff, it's classed as out of bounds. So uh, it's a really smart one. I think someone from the Seahawks did it before. Bengals won the toss, so are now big favourites to win. Wow. It's crazy in overtime how it all goes down to that toss, but anything happens in the NFL. Um, just going just gonna, to uh, finish up. How do you think um, the coaching did today, Jack? I, I think purely it, 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 it's happened so many times before that there is, there is a problem with coaching out games. Um, 
we've seen it happen numerous times where games that should have been comfortable have ended up really close. So we certainly need to find out what that problem is and fix it. Um, it's not an ability to run up the score. When we've passed, we've been able to run up the score. We just need to be able to finish it. So, um, yeah, that's one that we need to fix that. And uh, it's going to continue being a problem. Um, if you see the Browns winning by more than two TDs, you probably best just throwing money on whatever the other team is on the spread. Um, not to win, but just to cover the spread. Ian, the coaching, what's your views on it today, mate? I thought, I thought honestly the coaching did pretty well. I like the game plan coming out. Um, I like the, the play calling. I like the unique play designs by Stefanski and Van Pelt in those first two quarters. I thought the one downside was pissing away, winning the toss. They did what I told them to do, take the ball and go score. They took the ball and went three and out. But the defense got the ball back for them, so it ended up working out. Um, but overall, I thought Woods' game plan was good. It didn't matter if it was Lamar Jackson or, you know, Huntley. It didn't really matter because it was the same game plan. Uh, I think we're growing. So you definitely see improvement in some of the players, which is good for the coaches. And I think Prefer is going to lose his mind. I think he's going to – that special teams unit's in for another rough day with Mike Prefer. And um, who's, who are you going to give the game ball to, uh, Ian? Uh, since I think Jack's going on the defensive side, I'm going to give it to Miles Garrett for the, uh, the quad factor, the sack, the strip, the force, the recovery, and the turrets down. Mr. 95, Miles Garrett. Game ball for you, buddy. Uh, Jack. Uh, uh, Denzel Ward, yeah. me. I just think he was clearly the best Browns player out there. I know, obviously, Miles did get the highlight, but... For me, I thought I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, he did a really good game. I I hope from a slightly selfish perspective from the Browns that he doesn't get voted into the Pro Bowl this year because uh, it'll help out and uh, maybe save like half a mil in the uh, negotiations. All right, guys, I just want to talk about the Hippodrome tonight. We had Mo, the, the guy from Wales, come up. He said he listens to every single podcast and uh, loves what we do. So uh, it's always great to hear people that listen to the podcast, meet them in real life. So if you're one of them people, please do send us a message. we like to hear from you and can obviously give you a mention on the podcast too. It's just bad. Real yeah. people listen to us. It's, it's incredible. I love it. Anything you want to say at all, mate? No, I think we're good. Uh, we'll do another show after I get to rewatch this game again. We'll talk a little bit more in depth, but... No, most importantly, we got that win. Hopefully the Bengals figure out a way to choke that away. And uh, that's all I got. So go Browns for me. Yeah, guys, we are four games away from the playoffs. Excite exciting times. We've got the Raiders next week on a Saturday. We then got Packers on Christmas Day. We then got Pittsburgh away and Bengals at home. I personally think we can win three of them, four of them games. Even if it's ugly, I feel we can win them. Jack, how are you feeling about the next four games? Quite frankly, I just want to know if I get to go out there for the Green Bay game. Um, I don't really care about anything else. Um, let, let's see. I've, I'm going to probably make a decision on Thursday. So um, mark it in the diary, Paul. If uh, Biden doesn't announce anything by Thursday, I think I'm going to uh, book my PCR tests and uh, Ooh, get my stuff. It's a big moment. Ian? How are you feeling about the playoffs? 
I'm feeling it. We're going, baby. We're going. We're going there. We're going there. We're going there. Bengals are looking very good. They are 28 yards away from the touchdown. Anyway, we're going to do some podcast there. We're not a Bengals podcast. We're not a Formula One podcast, but congratulations to Max, the Dutch guy, and go Browns. Go Browns. There's change coming, there's change coming.